You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for The Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Today's reading comes from Psalm 119, verses 89 to 112. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth, and it endures. Your laws endure to this day, for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. Save me, for I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. The wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I will ponder your statutes. To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I may obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth, and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statues are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. Thank you, Liam, for reading our passage from Psalm 119. And uh, good morning to all of you. How's everyone doing? Good. It's great to right on. It's great to see you all again. And for those who are visiting for the first time, welcome. I pray that everyone is ha- enjoying their summer so far, especially the students who only have a couple of more weeks until school starts again. Boo. Speaking of of time flying, this this past week I was I was thinking about a time when I chaperoned a school field trip for. Liam's grade five class to the Bellevue mine in the Crow's Nest Pass. And, and I was thinking about that, and I suddenly realized that it happened four and a half years ago already. I felt like yesterday. It happened four and a half years ago already. And I'm just thinking, man, like our days surely do pass like a shadow, as the Bible reminds us multiple times, which is why the Bible also reminds us not to waste our days, but to live our lives well while we have the time to live with eternal purpose, with faithfulness for Jesus and for the glory of God. But here's the big question. How do we know how to live like that? How do we know how to live like that? And here's the not-so-surprising answer. The Bible tells us how. Psalm 119, 105, which was just read, says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So I don't know if, have, 
Have any of you here experienced that tour of the Bellevue mine? Anyone? Yeah, a few people. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty neat. Um, I especially enjoyed it because I got to go for free, because <laughs> since I was a chaperone. But for real, though, it, it, it was a cool experience because before you go in, they give you this, this, this like old school mining hard hat with a, with a light on it, so you feel like a real miner. And then, uh, and then you, you go into the mountain and, and into the mine and you walk through it, and it's pretty long. And uh, the biggest highlight, though, was when, when we finally got to the end of the mine and the, the, the tour guide instructed everyone to turn off their headlamps at the exact same time. And so we did. It was like, one, two, three, go, click. And I'll never forget it because it was, it was the deepest and blackest darkness I've ever experienced. You, you couldn't see anything, not, not even your hand, if you held it right up to your face. I, I couldn't tell left from right. I, it was actually pitch, pitch black. And, and, and to be honest, it was kind of unsettling. Nobody dared to even move for fear of tripping or stumbling or walking into someone. The, the darkness held us in, in place like a prison. But of course, when we turned our headlamps back on, we could once again see both the path before us and our tour guide, who then led us safely back out of the mine. And according to Psalm 119, this, this is what the Word of God does for us in our lives. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our paths. It illuminates God's will for our lives and, and sets us free from that prison of darkness. More than that, God's word reveals to us the light of life. Jesus Christ, who leads us in the way we should go, who writes his words on our hearts, on the hearts of all who believe in his name by faith, so that we can live out our lives without stumbling. Of himself, Jesus proclaims from John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So to follow Jesus is to have the light of life. But what does it mean to follow him? Well, a few verses later, he clarifies what that means. John 8, 31 to 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. To abide in the light of Jesus Christ is to simultaneously abide in his word. To follow Jesus is to be set free to obey his word. And on that end, even as we've been reading through Psalm 119 over the summer, hopefully you've noticed that one of the primary themes, which, is, which its author, probably King David, keeps bringing up over and over again is his deep and unwavering discovery that the only way to live rightly with joy and purpose and wisdom and hope and purity and spiritual prosperity without shame or, or stumbling in temptation and sin is to know and live according to God's word. 
Even in today's reading in Psalm 119, we read that the the knowledge and application of God's word makes him wiser than his enemies, gives him more understanding than both his teachers and the aged. It keeps him from every evil way and in the same vein reveals to him what is false. It, it, It gives him endurance and hope in affliction where he would have otherwise perished. It guides his path and direction in life and it brings joy to his heart even in the midst of his enemies. The word of God leads and guides him and upholds him in every area of life. It lights his path. It teaches him and shows him how to think and how to live the way we were created to. In contrast to that, so many people think of the Bible as this, this type of restrictive rule book right? That, that tries to keep us from our potential or from having any fun. But, but it's the opposite. It's the opposite. It actually shows us how to live abundantly and wisely and joyfully and good. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. We've, been, we've repeated this, this scripture throughout our series. And it says, it agrees with this when it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Again, the Bible is given to us so that we can be complete, so that we can live the way we were meant to live. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It keeps us from stumbling in sin, shows us the way we should go, and teaches and equips us to live by faith. But here's the thing. Some of you might not know that I'm half Dutch and half Scottish. What this means is that I'm cheap. I'm very cheap. I, I like to save money, and I don't like to waste money. And, and so, as my family will attest, one of the, the ways my frugalness plays out is that I'm always making sure the lights are off in our house if, if no one's in the room, even if someone is in the room. And also that we can save on the electricity bill. And if it's just me around, I, I usually won't turn the lights on at all unless I absolutely need to. In, in fact, e- even as I was writing my message this last week, I was sitting in my office, and my lights were off. I'm not kidding. Uh, Audrey, my wife, gave a tour of our house to some of, the, some of our cousins that were over, and they can attest, my lights were off when they <laughs> viewed me working in my, my office. Uh, I think she might suspect I'm a vampire or something. But uh, I'm not, I swear. But anyways, wh- while I've found that, that it's, it's great on saving money on the electricity bill. What I've also discovered, especially in the evenings after the sun goes down, is that walking around the house in the dark isn't necessarily the smartest or, or best thing for me to be doing. Physically speaking, that is. Over the years, I've stubbed many toes on unseen chair legs and uh, thrown my back out a few times, tripping over the stairs, I've irreparably damaged the soles of my feet stepping on Legos that were left on the floor. Uh, I've accidentally knocked many things off of countertops, waking people up because I didn't know, I didn't see them there. And I've even stepped on my dog a couple times. All because, in the spirit of saving money, I, I consistently convinced myself that I was perfectly capable of wandering around the house in the dark. What foolishness, right? And yet, 
Isn't this how so many of us try to live our lives, though? We, we might claim to follow Jesus as, as Christians, but yet how often do we make selfish decisions or react rashly to, to circumstances or make future plans or place judgment on others or project our, our opinions and offenses on, on certain things or, or believe or submit to certain ideologies or seek out certain forms of entertainment or try to build relationships or choose to end relationships or, or whatever else without first prayerfully considering what God's word has to say about any of it. And whenever we do that, we're convincing ourselves that we're perfectly capable of wandering around in the dark. Whenever we trust in our own understanding, we're convincing ourselves that we're perfectly capable of wandering around in the dark. But how does that usually work out for us? The, the author of Psalm 119 write, writes that when he, when he tried this, he went astray and became afflicted. In other words, it didn't work out very well for him. And, and in the same way, without a light to guide us in this life, to show us how to live and where to go, we're, we're guaranteed to go the wrong way and, and follow after things we shouldn't. Without a lamp for our feet, we're going to stumble and, and, and trip and fall all over the obstacles of temptation and trials that come our way. We know this to be true. We know from life experience that this is true. How often have we, have we ruined relationships or failed to love our enemies or made dumb decisions that we regret or, or lost our patience or refused to forgive? The list goes on and on, all because we didn't have God's word in the forefront of our hearts and mind. Because in those moments, we chose to do it our own way instead of by the good book, forgetting that the Bible is trustworthy. And that if we do what it says and lean not on our own understanding, but acknowledge the Lord, he will direct our paths. Ultimately, what I'm saying is if, if you're tired of wandering around in the darkness, tired of feeling hopeless and, and struggling with identity, tired of not knowing, to do, knowing what to do with your life, tired of, tired of being a slave to sin and temptation, tired of being overwhelmed and anxious by the, by, the, by the pains and cares of this world, tired of feeling like you're getting it wrong all the time, tired of being a victim of circumstance, tired of struggling with relationships and everyday decisions and, and regrets, tired of feeling purposeless and joyless and unsatisfied or tired of stumbling through this life or even seeing the point of it all. And step into the light. Abide in Jesus and abide in his word. God has given us his living word to pierce the darkness so that its truth can light our way, so that, so that we can have clarity and hope and wisdom in every aspect of life and faith. Every aspect from relationships to work life to marriage, to singleness, to friendships, to love, to parenting, discipling, and finances, to justice and identity, to the meaning of life and death, to how to treat others, to how to respond in crisis and process tragedy, to how to have wisdom in everyday decisions that we make, to how to live ethically and, and morally 
to understanding how our mind thinks, to, to facing fear and, and anxiety, to what we should eat and, and what we should wear, to how to relate with government and, and authority, to how to function as the church, to how, how we can reconcile and forgive, to how to find our calling and, and use our gifts, to how to pray, to how to know God and receive his grace. The list goes on. The Bible touches and teaches and guides us in every aspect of life. And more than that, it gives us a proper perspective and a godly worldview of, of our culture and our society, right? Helping us see and, and respond to everything and everyone through the lens of his design and his purpose. It, it changes the way we see and understand the world. And again, it's all made alive in us through Jesus Christ, the living word, the word become flesh, who also has given us the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. But the thing is, is that a light still has to be turned on for it to be useful. In other words, and this seems obvious, but yet necessary to say, we need to be reading our Bibles for it to be useful. No one hides their light under a bushel as Jesus said, and in the same vein, we need to hold up the light of the word into the darkness for it to have its full effect. And what happens when we do that, when we hold that light into the darkness? What happens when we do that is, first of all, it'll keep us from stumbling by exposing to us the things of the night, by, by revealing all that which is not of God and, and revealing the things which seek to lead us astray or, or drag us down. This includes revealing the things in us that are not of God. I think this, this might often be why we avoid reading Scripture sometimes. Because, as it says in Hebrews 4, 12 to 13, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. When we open the word of God, it exposes who we are. That is uncomfortable. But it's also incredibly freeing. Like a doctor who tells us what's wrong with our bodies, not, not to judge us or, or condemn us, right? But so that we can be healed. In the same way, the Bible exposes the, the sin in us so that it can bring correction and healing and renewal, so that we can lay down our sin and our burdens at the foot of the cross so we can be freed from it. But similarly, the Bible also exposes the evil and deceptions which are around us as well. As we read the truth of the word, it opens our eyes to the, to the reality of the, of the temptations, lies, and, and worldly philosophies that once looked exciting, attractive, and appetizing to our flesh, but, but in his light are now revealed for what they truly are. This is why the enemy doesn't want us to read our Bibles. A.W. Tozer Theologian A.W. Tozer once wrote, Satan's greatest weapon is man's ignorance of God's word. 
If we don't know the word, we won't see the enemy coming. Which also means then that the more grounded and learned we are in Scripture and on God's promises, the more we'll be able to recognize the false truths, the dangerous temptations, and man-made doctrines which, which try to lead us astray. And, and this is something the Bible warns us of over and over and over again. And in this digital age where we're all scrolling on social media and whatever else, there, there are thousands upon thousands of people trying to do this. Spreading false truths, beckoning us over to their false promises and, and their temptations and their worldviews. So I'd argue that we have to be more grounded in, in, in Scripture, in the Word, than ever before. We need to have discernment in what's true or false, godly or ungodly, so that we can expose what's of the enemy and remain steadfast in Christ. Ephesians 5, 8 to 11 says this, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. The word of God is the light which discerns the truth from the lies. It's the lamp to our feet. It, it gives us clarity on what's true and good. It sets our eyes on Jesus Christ so that we can run the race with endurance. And, and, and the good news is that even if we do trip up, the, the word reminds us that he's there full of grace and mercy, ready to pick us up again. So again, the, the more we read it, the brighter the light becomes and the less likely we'll find ourselves tripping in the dark or as it says in Ephesians 4.14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Secondly, though, when we, when we hold the Bible up to the darkness, it also reveals our path. So it keeps us from stumbling, and it also reveals our path. The Bible reveals to us our purpose in life. It gives us direction and shows us how to live according to God's word, according to the will of God. Pardon me. Uh, of course, we know that the, the Bible isn't going to speak to individualistic situations like how often should we be on our phones or, or where should I work or, or whatever, right? But yet it will give us wisdom in, in how to make those choices in a way that will honor the Lord. And, and in the same vein, it also speaks to things like how we should conduct ourselves and shine as lights for Christ in, in whatever career we choose or, or wherever we find ourselves. Ultimately, though, when we talk about calling and purpose, when the Bible talks about calling and purpose, we need to understand that, that we're not talking about our job. Or, or our social status, or any of those things, right? Where we're talking about what it means and what it looks like to follow Jesus and walk as children of the light in, in whatever spaces he places us in. And, and the Bible is, is the sole teacher on how to do this. It educates us on how to behave as Christians and what it means to love God and, and love others and build up the church and use our gifts rightly and, and how we should be patient and kind and humble and generous and full of grace and all those good things. Of course, it also instructs us in our ultimate purpose 
of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ each and every moment of every day in word and in deed. This is the path that we're all called to walk as Christians. And the Bible gives us the wisdom, the tools, the knowledge, the correction, the understanding and the encouragement to, to, to see and walk that path well. Though with that being said, if, if, if we're willing to submit to God's word and, and be obedient to Jesus' teaching, what we'll find is that as we do, God will also direct us in our specific and unique paths as individuals. I can speak to that firsthand. I'll be honest, I had no plans to become a pastor here at the gate. No plans. No plans to even become a pastor at all. But as imperfect as I was, I can say with confidence that that it was my ever-growing commitment to the Word of God and my desire to live for Christ, which allowed the Lord to, to illuminate and lead me onto this path and in this vocation. And even so, when I, when I think about it now, I can see that he was always preparing me for it, even though I didn't realize it, shaping me and molding me through his, through his word beforehand so that I would be equipped and, and, and I would be trained for the task and the role when it came, which is one of the most amazing things about the word of God, that it's living and active. It's always working in us. And, and the more it works in us, the, the more we'll make decisions that align with who Jesus is. And what I mean is that while we might not remember every single thing we always read, and memorizing Scripture is good, obviously, but we might not remember every single thing that we read as we're reading the Bible, but we can trust that every time we do read it, it's actively transforming us, it's renewing our minds, it's lighting our way. Author Trevin Wax writes, the effects of reading the Bible go far beyond the details you remember or the sentences you highlight. Reading enhances your filter, giving you knowledge and insight that will reverberate in your mind in ways you can't perceive, offering a measure of wisdom and breadth you wouldn't otherwise have. For example, I... I, I don't remember every single, I'm a guitar player, I don't, I don't remember every single uh, guitar lesson or practice that I ever had, but yet I know that each time I did practice and go to my lessons, it was, it was shaping my musical understanding and creating muscle memory in my fingers, right? All leading up to the skill level I'm at today. Th- this is what happens in us. And in a more supernatural way, when, when we read the word of God, we, we might not remember every word we read, but yet every word is having its effect, giving us wisdom and clarity and understanding that we didn't have before. Like a sculptor carving a mound of stone into something beautiful, the Lord uses the Bible to shape us and transform our mind and our hearts to know him and think like him and desire what he does to the point that the decisions we make and, and, and how we view the world and interact with others will align more and more with the heart and mind of God. Which means that the more we're aligned by God's word, the better we'll be able to navigate through this life and walk the path before us. As Psalm 37, 30 to 31 states, that when the mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice, the law of God is on his heart. His steps will not slip. 
And as Jesus himself said from Luke eleven twenty eight, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. In other words, the more we read the word of God and humbly allow the Holy Spirit to write it on our hearts and renew our minds, the less we'll give in to temptation or make dumb decisions, and the more we'll walk in, in blessed wisdom, speaking justice, and walking in joyful obedience to God's will and purpose for our lives. As it says in James 1.25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The Bible guides us into the blessed life. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. But again, we have to turn that light on in order to pierce the darkness. 